I'm Kat. I'm Taylor. And welcome to another Halloween special bonus episode. Ooh. Oh, we went different moods there. <laughs> I did the only spooky noise I can do. <sighs> I don't have spooky noises. What, you can't go, ooh. I really wish I could make like a door creak noise. But I can't. So, Yeah, I can't do that. Maybe Unless I have a doll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll insert like a sound effect here. Okay. We'll see. So yesterday, Taylor told us the story of the Marie Celeste. And today I'm going for a case that's a bit less spooky and instead falls into the category of scary campfire story. Quite literally. So this case has gone unsolved for 61 years now, and it is one of Northern Europe's most infamous unsolved homicides, and inspired one of Finland's best-selling bands of all time. It is the Lake Bodum murders. Have you heard of them? No, not at all. <laughs> the band nor the crime. Um, so this will be interesting. Oh. Uh, so for this case, we have to go to Finland. Figuratively. Yeah, that word. Figuratively, uh, which makes me sad because I really want to go to Finland. I think it just looks incredible. It's a, Yeah, I'd like to go up there too. And we're going to an area called Espo. So Espo is a city as well as an administrative district district in southern Finland. According to Google Maps, Espo is about 12 miles from Helsinki when you just click the two city names. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's like center to center. Uh, due to its proximity to the capital, Espo makes up part of the capital region and part of greater Helsinki. As this is the first time we've been to Finland... And thus have not had the opportunity to offend any of our Finnish listeners yet. Oh, God. Uh, Let's have a quick look at some facts on the country. As I say, I have not been. So my information comes from Wikipedia and Lonely Planet and, you know, my own just like really wanting to go. So Finland is a country located on the Baltic Sea between Sweden and Russia. It's part of Northern Europe. It is a Nordic country, not Scandinavian. Oh. Which I only found this out a few years ago. So technically, so a lot of people use the Scandinavia and Nordic uh, interchangeably, but Mm -hmm. technically Scandinavia is Sweden, Norway, and Denmark, whereas Nordic is Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, the Faroe Islands, Greenland... Oh, cool. In its history, Finland has been part of Sweden and later Russia. Independence from the newly formed USSR was declared in December 1917, following the October Revolution in Russia, and was recognised in early 1918. In Finnish, Finland is called Suomi. That's very different. Yeah. The language tree is very different to the rest of most of Europe. You have like Finland and like the indigenous languages, which I think is like the main one. I think I might be wrong. I think is Sami or Sami. Uh huh. Um, so you have Finland and the indigenous languages. Estonian and Hungarian, I believe, are all part of like the same language tree, and the rest of Europe is all part of a different language tree. Oh, very cool. Like, Thing. Now that you say that, when we did, um, what was her name? Elizabeth Bathory? Yeah. I feel like we did look at that language tree thingy during that yeah, episode. Yeah, because those pronunciations were oh, wild. Yeah, those are hard. So that, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, Suomi, which uh, that is how the lady on Google Translate said it. Cool. So, Finland has a population of 5.5 million people, most of whom live in the south of the country, near the capital and the larger cities. Finland has topped the World Happiness Index for the past four years, 
as well as regularly coming out tops for education, economic competitiveness, civil liberties, quality of life and human development, press freedom and stability. It is second only to Iceland in the great in the global gender gap report. So Iceland is tops when it comes for gender uh, equality. Hmm. Um and Finland according to various sources is second. The country has one of the most expensive and comprehensive social welfare systems in the world, guaranteeing decent living conditions to all residents, Finnish and non-Finnish. In terms of international stereotypes, the Finns are often seen as being very independent, private, and knowing when to leave people the fuck alone. (laughs) Quite frankly, it sounds like my idea of heaven. (laughs) I, like, want to move there. Uh, They're also a really big on motorsport, especially rallying. I grew up in a rallying family... I love motorsport and there's always like fins coming through like Formula One and various other like top level motorsports. So that is my knowledge of Finland. Well, there you go. (sighs) Of course, no country is perfect. Finland is in trouble with Amnesty International at the moment because of the allowance of stopovers for CIA rendition flights. And there are concerns about the treatment of some ethnic minority groups. Scotland is also in trouble with Amnesty International for the stopover of CIA rendi- <laughs> rendition flights. Oopsies. Yeah, we're doing it too. Yeah. Th- that is a classic example of when Scotland, when Westminster sees Scotland as separate and not part of yeah, Britain. Like, oh, we didn't do that part. We didn't do that no. one, guys. Just, no, that, that was, just that one. <laughs> that was Nicola's fault. It wasn't wasn't my fault. Said the, Boris. said the talking toupee. <laughs> no, toupees are better groomed. That's true. Um, but yeah, it has problems. Obviously, we're looking at it through rose-tinted foreign glasses. Yeah. Uh, in general, Finland is considered one of the best places to live in the world, according to all these various reports. Uh, if you can deal with the climate, which I'll get to in a minute. And it has a low crime rate. So by EU standards and averages, Finland is considered to have a low crime rate. However, it has a notably high rate of homicide compared to the rest of Western Europe. Oops. Mm, which is interesting. Yeah. But it's still considered very safe and has a very low crime rate. But if you do get crime, you get killed. It's like all or nothing. Fuck. That's like high stakes. (laughs) I still think I'd go for it. I mean, it's all about odds, right? Yeah. So Finland lies in the boreal zone, meaning it is mostly subarctic generally characterized by cold winters, warm summers in the south, very cold winters and mild summers in central Finland, very cold polar climate in the north. Full stop. (laughs) I mean, it is Lapland, Finnish Lapland. So, However, Finland is close enough to the Atlantic to feel the effects of the Gulf Stream, making it slightly warmer than other places on the same latitude, for example, Russia and Alaska. I didn't realise that, because I always think of the Gulf Stream hits like Portugal, Spain, France, the UK, and then disappears somewhere. Just like, (laughs) poof. (laughs) I didn't realise that that far away from the Atlantic, you would still like feel the effects of it. Because I'm not a meteorologist and I know fuck all about the weather. Yeah, same. But yeah. It's cool. Um, another reason for Finland's slightly warmer climate is its lakes. Finland has around 168,000 lakes. Wow. And 179,000 islands, according to Wikipedia. And the lakes, wilderness, general outdoorsness are a big part of Finnish culture. Also, Lonely Planet and other travel guides tell us. That's that's so many lakes. They have a rally called the Rally of a Thousand Lakes. And I think there is a region called the Thousand Lakes region. Wow. Or Thousand Lakes something. Um, which is kind of not if 
if I've got this right, to sort of northeast from Helsinki, going sort of towards the Russian border. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. And all these lakes, this is where we find ourselves. In June 1960, on the shores of Lake Bodum, just outside Vespo. See how I joined it all up nicely? Well done, well done. So, Myla Bjorklund and Anya Mackey, uh, both aged 15, were camping on the shore of the lake with their boyfriends, uh, Seppo Boisman and Nils Gustafsson. Both were aged 18. Uh, so this was on the night of June 4th, 1960. Both couples were sharing the same tent, which is weird because teenage couples go camping for one reason and one reason only. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not buying it that they go for other reasons. Maybe in Finland, but... Just love the outdoors. Know. I didn't know any teenagers went camping for... For know, any wholesome reasons. Nah. <laughs> oh, God. But other than that, there was nothing out of the ordinary about the camping trip. The campground was well known and generally considered a safe place to go. It's almost a summer solstice, so it's probably a nice time of year to go camping in Finland. Mm -hmm. Lots of light, stay out late, share a tent with, th with three other people. Friends. <laughs> I hope it was a big so. tent. Have you seen tents from the 60s? Oh, I know. They're like tiny little Re pup tents or whatever. Remember when we did... Um... Oh, Dyatlov. Yeah, the Dyatlov. That tent was tiny and there was nine of them. God, yeah. What did they just... They just like stack themselves on top of one another? <laughs> it's like, okay, Lars, your turn. Uh, the group were discovered by a local man about 11 a.m. the next morning. The tent had collapsed. Uh, Myla, Anya and Seppo were all brutally murdered. Nils was the only survivor. The police were called and they arrived at the lake about midday. So uh, Myla, Anya and Seppo all had suffered severe blunt force trauma while Nils Gustafsson had fractured facial injuries which... I don't really know what that means. I assume that's like fractures to like, to, I don't know, jaw or cheek or something. Yeah. Facial fractures, but that's how it was described. <laughs> Fractured facial injuries. <laughs> but his injuries were much less severe than those of his friends. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he survived. They didn't. Uh, his girlfriend, Myla, had also been stabbed. Hmm. As well as the blunt force trauma. Keys to the two mo motorcycles the group had rode from the city to the lake on had been taken, but the motorcycles themselves had not been stolen. Just the keys. Hmm. And Gustafsson's shoes were found about 500 metres away from the tent, not kilometres oh, as I've written that's a in the long script. Way to go for shoes. Yeah. About 500 metres away because Europe uses the metric system. Uh, yeah, and the shoes were partially buried. Now, for some reason, known only to themselves and possibly an internal inquiry, oh, the police decided not to cordon off the murder scene, and instead called in the army to begin searching for the killer and see if they could find the murder weapon. So, as you might guess, as a result of this, the scene was massively compromised from everyone just walking all over it. <laughs> yeah. And the police were criticised at pretty much every juncture. And when I say everyone walking all over it, I am including other campers, swivel neckers, and just random members of the public who happened to walk through the area that day. Oh, great. So Niels Gustafsson was asked if he had any memory of what had happened or if he could describe the killer. But he wasn't really able to help the police much in the hunt for the murderer. He claimed that he had seen the assailant and described him as a figure clothed in black with bright red eyes. Oh, man. Why Why are these guys always... Why is it always the bright red eyes? Yeah. Now, there are many stereotypes about Nordic and Scandinavian peoples and how they look. You know, Vikings, very tall, long blonde hair, blue eyes. We know all these. We know all these, like, stereotypes, not ethnographic or demographic facts. 
but there's nothing in Nordic law about people with red eyes. And I did search (laughs) for Nordic folklore beyond Wikipedia. Oh my God. Like, I went and found some, like, specific sites about Nordic, Viking, Scandi folklore. And nothing about people with red eyes. All I could find was a red-eyed hellhound or wolf. Hmm. Hmm. They they probably don't wear black clothes. Probably not, because they're, you know, born with it. Yeah. It's fair. Uh, So Gustafsson wasn't much help. Although... It's obviously not uncommon for those who've had like experienced trauma to like to not be able to perfectly recall the experience. Yeah. And it's also not uncommon for them to process trauma and fill in the gaps with supernatural explanations. We know this happens. Yeah, definitely. It's not necessarily as suspicious as it might seem at first glance. And if you've seen your girlfriend, your mate, and your mate's girlfriend bludgeon to death in front of you, <laughs> you might fill in a few blanks where your memories just not doesn't want to give the game away. Just like nope, yeah, I can't deal with this. I'm I'm pretty sure you just shut down after that yeah. whole scenario. Yeah. Luckily, there had been a group of bird watchers on the shores of Lake Bodum that morning. And rather than seeing a man dressed all in black with bright red eyes, this group had seen a blonde man walking in the general vicinity of the teenager's tent. But again, this didn't really help identify a suspect. I imagine there are a lot of blonde men in Finland. I, again, stereotypical, but probably. Probably true. Uh, Gustafsson underwent hypnosis to see if he could reveal anything about the murderer, and sketches were created. Oh no. You can look if you wish. Okay. Oh, it's Um, from screamfiesta.com. So those are scary. Yeah, it's in LA, isn't it? Scream Fiesta. Is it? I have no idea. Is it Scream Fiesta? I can't remember. Um... It just pulled up the picture, that's all. Yeah, Scream Fest yeah, Scream Fest LA. Not Scream uh, Fiesta. I want Scream Fiesta. That's Yeah, it's it's oh, is a, it a horror film, film festival. festival. <laughs> okay. So and then Oh. So yeah, these are all in the links. Yeah. Uh in the show notes. So yeah. There were some sketches created, which Taylor is mentally processing. They're disproportionate in general human facial terms. Yes. Now, when the funerals were held for the three teenagers, police were there and photos were taken, which is quite common. You know, murderers often turn up to their victims' funerals, so police being there is quite normal. Yeah. Uh, there is a man in the crowd who closely resembles these sketches. But this man has never been identified because, well, this case is unsolved. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a very bad picture, but I think he does quite kind of resemble... Yeah. In a way. I, like, he looks like, so if you look at the sort of collection of sketches or or composites, he looks most like the bottom left, I think. Yeah. Which, yeah, which I feel, I feel like falls on the second most realistic sketch scale yeah so yeah i I, I, I see it so never been identified but it doesn't necessarily mean just because he was at the funeral you know 15 and 18 you know there's so many people you meet and like your teens and your 20s that are very transient in your life yeah that you know it could have been a teacher it could have been someone who was there with someone 
who knew them to like as like support you know like you go with a friend because they want you know they want someone with them it could be could be the murderer also like could, if if this was like quite a big like event mm. it could totally just be like either someone who heard about it and you know wanted to pay their respects you know how a lot of people do like leaving uh you know little vigils at the site of car crashes or something like that or it could just be someone who wandered in from town that day and was like oh what's going on here yeah and then you say it was it was a big event so quite possible it was rubberneckers yeah yeah, so there was no evidence that Gustafsson had murdered his girlfriend and their friends, and so police looked elsewhere for suspects. And there were two main suspects who emerged. Uh, one of the suspects was Valdemar Schielström. I'm not even attempting the accent because we all know it just goes German. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he was a local man who ran a kiosk near the lake. He was reportedly known to be a violent man who was openly hostile to campers. He cut through tents and threw rocks at people. Mm. As time went by and the case became more infamous, rumours began to circulate that uh, Schielström had been seen near the tent on the morning of the murders, but locals were too scared of him to call the police. Because these rumours came out much later on, we don't know how much truth there is to them, but they have become part of like the folklore mm-hmm. surrounding this case. Makes sense. Yeah. So Valdemar Schilström's wife gave him an alibi and he was officially removed from the list of suspects. Although many still believe in his guilt, even to this day. Especially since he allegedly confessed to the murders whilst drunk. Oh, well, I can understand that now. So I know there's like a stereotype about sort of Nordic countries about and Russian people about them being like very heavy drinkers and part of that is because of like the long nights yeah, in winter. Yeah. And I know to a certain extent, I say I know, anecdotally I know because someone I grew up with moved to Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so the only time I ever see him is like at Christmas if we're in the village, both in the village pub. Um, but I remember he was there with his wife, who is Swedish, and they were in the pub a couple of Christmases ago. And we were chatting, and we were on about I don't know how we got onto that, <laughs> but we ended up talking about it. And apparently, that is sort of true mm-hmm. that you know that heavy drinking thing is it it is a thing just because of like the long winters and. There are various mental health problems that go along with it. Yeah. So I do wonder if that has anything to do with there being like a high homicide rate in Finland. Yeah, I could see that. Because I think, as I understand, it's a country big on hunting as well. Yeah. So I don't know what, I have no idea what the gun laws are like over there. But even if you're not hunting with a gun, even if it's like crossbow or whatever, you could still Uh, very easily accidentally kill someone. Yeah, still dangerous. So, I wonder if there's any link. Uh, Shieldstrom, he confessed while drunk. But he drowned in Lake Bodum in 1969. It has long been suspected that he took his own life, but we don't know for sure. Because of his death, authorities weren't able to obtain DNA samples from him when DNA testing became a thing. Um, according to an article on Scream Festival, not Scream Fiesta. Damn. Website. Uh, following his death, his wife recanted her alibi in a deathbed confession, claiming that he had threatened to kill her if she didn't give him an alibi. Oh, now mm. that's interesting. Yeah, it doesn't look good. No, no, it doesn't. But people say all sorts of things when they're dying. They're not necessarily true. Look how many people have confessed to being like DB Cooper. Oh yeah. Or have confessed to, like, killing JFK or... (laughs) Yeah. Any high-profile unsolved crime, there's always deathbed confessions around it. When we did Hinter Kaifek. 
Oh, yeah. There was shit tons of deathbed confessions in that. Yeah, it's like everybody's uncle was the killer. Yeah. I don't think we even included all of them. There was no, that no, it's just a bunch. So, anyway. Doesn't look good for uh, Valdemir Schilstrom. Yeah. But there were other suspects, including a man named Penti Soininen. Soininen, I think, is how you say it. According to Mysteries Are Unsolved, which is the first time I read that website name, I read it as Mysteries Runsolved. Ah, uh, see, it's going around. Scream Fiesta, Mysteries Runsolved. I just, uh, I, I like that it's like Toys R Us, like Mysteries <laughs> Are Unsolved. According to Mysteries Are Unsolved, uh, Penti Soinanen was convicted of a string of violent crimes and property crimes. And whilst in prison, he allegedly confessed to the Lake Bowden murders. Yeah, there was a lot of doubt over his involvement, and sadly, he also took his own life in 1969 at a prison transfer station. Mm. Uh, so we will never know the truth on that one either. Another main suspect. Who? I know you're going to love this. <laughs> Uh, another suspect who emerged following the murders was a man named Hans Asman. Oh, yeah. This isn't even the best bit. He was rumoured to be a retired KGB spy. That's right. We've oh. got spies in this story. Oh. oh. Do you think that Asman was his spy name? Like, he <laughs> did he pick that? Oh, and, like, man. also Hans, like, Hans ass man <laughs> there's so much here there's so much here guys like holy shit ass man <laughs> yeah see that wasn't even the funniest bit that i thought you'd be more interested in the spies than the ass man it's it all goes together so well but also yes also some of our other spies were nordic right like, our itchy spies were yeah. Nordic, so... Itchy spies. That's, like, the only episode we have with a dumb name. <laughs> Did you actually call it Itchy Spies? Yeah, it's episode 39, Itchy Spies. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> <laughs> why not? So, yeah. Um... If you're new to the podcast, hi, we really love stories that have spies in them. We do. Because it fascinates us and we know nothing about yeah, it. Yeah, like, which is hilarious. And like, and they seem to come up very infrequently. And when they do, we get like overly excited, which is hilarious because we're the ones who pick what we cover. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, we could do more spies. And yet... It's taken us till now, basically. No. It's a very kind of like a prophecy there. Yeah. Is it, What's coming there, up the rest of the there year? There might be something to that. We are not disguising this very well. We have a whole month of spies at Christmas. Yeah, Christmas spies, which is like, that seems appropriate. Maybe you can learn some subterfuge tips if you're like having to spend time with family that you don't like or... Oh, like to break into Christmas presents without people realizing. Do that too. Like, mm. A little bit of spycraft. Anyway. There is an espionage museum in Berlin. Uh, and I will always regret not going when I went to Berlin. Like, I have to go back to Berlin now just to go there. Yeah, yeah. I also recommend the International Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. for anybody who has Ooh. the opportunity. It's a bit more, like, kids-focused. But mm -hmm. that means there's, like, lots of fun stuff you can, like, pick up and crawl through and that kind of thing. And they have a killer gift shop with, like, you know, books with hidden compartments and nice. hairspray cans at the bottoms unscrew on and stuff. So, highly recommend. But, yeah. We really like spies. Yeah, especially when they're ass men. Yeah. And not only was he... Allegedly a retired KGB agent. So let's remember that KGB were the Russian secret intelligence yeah. service murdery spy people. Yeah. 
He was also allegedly a former Nazi. Poof. This guy had everything. Mm. Jesus Christ. Now, we've talked a lot about sketches of suspects in many previous episodes and how unreliable they are. But personally, I think that the sketches created after Gustafsson underwent hypnosis do kind of look a little bit like Hans Asman. Although I don't think I don't think he resembles the man in the photograph at the funeral. Okay, let's see. Scream Fiesta coming at you. Um, okay, I need to pull up the other two again. You can see it like the eyes and the nose, especially, and the forehead. Not so much the mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can kind of see that. You know, it's interesting, like, I... Because the sketches are, like, basically monochromatic, it, I, my brain went, this guy is bald, just has a really large lumpy head. But actually, that's <laughs> probably hair. So now that I, <laughs> now that I think mm-hmm. of it that way, yeah, like, the thing that's really the same across all of them is, like, the deep-set eyes. Yes. And the kind of crooked, the n- like, slightly twisted nose kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, got, uh, I see it. I see it. Hans, I see you. But he's not the man from the funeral. So that's interesting. Yeah. The chin's different. And again, you can look in the show notes. The links will all be there. Check them out. So Hans Asman appeared at a hospital in Helsinki on June 6th, so the day after the bodies were discovered. So he appeared at a hospital on the 6th and his clothes were covered in blood, which is when he sort of piqued police's interest. Fair enough. Yeah. Hospital staff reported their concerns to police about Asman's strange and aggressive behaviour whilst he was being treated and were adamant that the red stains on his clothes and hands were blood. However, the police did not take their concerns seriously and did not collect his clothing for testing. Um, Why? I wonder if it was like because they were like fixated on it being Gustafsson. Maybe, especially that early on. So local people became even more suspicious of Asman when a couple of days after the murder, he cut his hair, um, which was exactly like that described by Gustafsson and the birdwatchers. He was briefly questioned, but he claimed to have an alibi, and that was that he was in Germany at the time of the murders and returned to Finland the next day. And then he was released. And that was it. Uh, many poli- many people believed that the reason Asman wasn't taken seriously was because of his political cl- connections as a former KGB agent and a Nazi. Mm, I could see that. Yeah. For sure. And so the, no- uh, the itchy spies... <laughs> I can't believe you... Did you really call it yeah. that? I do not remember it being called that because... I remember we had a conversation about it and I told you not to do that. I'm pretty sure you didn't tell me not to do it because I did it. And then I didn't get any any flack for it. So I just assumed it was approved. (laughs) Oh, so you did use their names. I did. So 39, Itchy Spies, Jennifer Fairgate and the Estelle Woman. Oh, good. That's why it didn't register. There you go. Like, we definitely mentioned their names. We didn't reduce them to just being itchy spies. Which is all, if you haven't listened to the episode, highly recommend. But which the the whole upshot of that is that the tags were cut out of their clothing. And so I was like, what if they just, like, can't stand clothing tags? Just itchy. So... So, if you go back to that episode, we did talk about how in the 70s, there was a lot of spies in Scandinavia. 
and then all the Nordic countries because of I think it was bomb testing right up in the north of I think it was was it like the penguin missile or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right up in like northern even Norway or Sweden. So there was a lot there was a lot of spy activity. In the area. And a lot of foreign agent activity and a lot of foreign powers were in and around the Nordic countries at this time. So I totally buy that if he was a spy, his connections would have got him released. Yeah. Um, well, especially like nineteen sixty, right? Yeah. Like, this is like height of the Cold War. Like, mm. yeah, totally. So the case went cold because Asman had been released. There was. Um, uh, Valdemir Schielström had an alibi. Other people were mentioned, but there was never any mm-hmm. evidence. Though Hans Asman remained the favourite suspect, there's numerous books have been written. One former detective wrote a book, not just laying out the case for Asman as the late Bowden murderer, but also linked him to five other unsolved murders in that area of southern Finland. Ooh. Uh, suspicion around Hans Asman continued until 2004, when authorities reopened the case with a new sp- suspect. None other than Nils Wilhelm Gustafsson, the sole survivor himself. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, by 2004... Nils Gustafsson was married with two adult children, had moved on with his life in like the 44 years since the murders. But the case was reopened and in March of 2004, Nils Gustafsson was arrested. This reportedly came as a surprise to everyone because as far as he knew, Gustafsson had never really been a proper suspect. Obviously, there had been suspicion, as there always is in situations like Mm -hmm. this. He survived with much less severe injuries than the other three. And his description of the killer involved him having red eyes. So, a bit of suspicion. <laughs> but Gustafsson had not been an official suspect and there had not been any evidence at the time pointing to him as the murderer. In early 2005, Finnish police announced that the case had been solved using new forensic technology not previously available in the 1960s. Police posited that Gustafsson had gotten drunk and been kicked out of the tent and that in a drunken rage he had attacked the other three before hitting himself in the face to make it appear that he had been attacked as well. This is kind of supported by the fact that his girlfriend, Myla, suffered the most horrific injuries of the group and she had been stripped from her waist down and stabbed after she died. Mm. So... This relies on the idea that he would have been angry at her and wanted to punish her for siding with their friends and kicking him out of the tent. Which we don't know. Could be. Uh, There were bloody footprints at the scene which led to Gustafsson's partially buried shoes. Gustafsson matched the description of a blonde man walking away from the tent which had been given by the bird watchers. Good point. As you said earlier, lots lots of of blonde blonde people in Finland, probably. Um, Gustafsson's trial began in the summer of 2005 the prosecution presented their argument backed up with DNA evidence showing that Myla, Anya and Seppo's blood was found on Gustafsson's shoes but his wasn't this they argued proved that he had killed his friends, planted the shoes staged the scene then injured himself to appear to be a victim as well presumably back at the Mm -hmm. tent. They also claimed that Gustafsson had been overheard making an, quote, incriminating remark sometime in the 1960s. (laughs) He was acquitted in October 2005 and awarded 44,000 euros in compensation for the year and a half that he had been held in custody. I mean, is that standard practice in Finland? That's quite... That's very substantial. <laughs> Considering yeah. he was a murder suspect. like. But if you've been held in custody, it's wrongful imprisonment if you're but 
not guilty technically. Well, technically, but in how many places can you actually argue that successfully? That's interesting. I don't know, but evidently in Apparently. Finland. Now we know. Um yeah, so the Lake Bo Lake Bodum murders have become the most infamous unsolved murders in Finland, allegedly. We're not Finnish. We can't verify this <laughs> claim, but apparently. Uh, according to the book Unsolved Murders by Amber Hunt and Emily Thompson, the Lake Bodum murders have developed developed a mythical status in Finland, with the story being told as a cautionary tale for children about the dangers of playing near lakes. And remember... Finland has 168,000 lakes. Yeah. So, like, yeah. probably every child has a lake they yeah. can play near. So don't play don't play near the lake and don't stay out late. Fair enough. Um, many books have also been written about the case, most of them championing, championing one of the three main suspects, as well as looking at the ways in which the police completely and utterly fucked up. Um, which, in not cordoning off the scene and letting everyone walk all over it, it's not very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't great, guys. Now, you may remember, at the beginning I said the murders inspired one of the most successful Finnish bands of all time. Well, that band was called Children of Bodom. Oh. And later they became known as Bodom After Midnight. Oh. They were a melodic Finnish death metal band, and the founding members came from Espo. Melodic Finnish death metal, as opposed... You're not into melodic Finnish I've death metal? I've just never heard the terminology, like, melodic, that like, specifically, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they played their last gig in Helsinki in 2019 as Bodum After Midnight. But their founding mem or one of the founding members, Alexi Lyo, died in December 2020 at the age of 41, and his bandmates decided not to con continue as Children of Bodom or Bodom After Midnight without Alexi Lyo, and have all gone on to other musical ventures. Now, interestingly, uh, of the founding members, all were born between. Uh, 79 and 81 so that's 19 to 21 years after the murders and out of the five of them only three actually came from Espo oh so that you could say supports the idea that it's become kind of mythic like this mythical yeah it's like um, a, it's like a cultural touchstone kind of yeah uh, there's also an indie horror film made about the murders in 2016 uh, simply called Bodum it is a slasher horror film about a group of teenagers in the present day who go to Lake Bodum to recreate the trip taken by the four teenagers um, in 1960. But things go wrong, because it's a Obviously. slasher horror film. <laughs> uh, it was first screened at the Cannes uh, Mashed Film in 2016 and received very positive reviews. That's interesting. Yeah, you don't see a lot of finish cinema like yeah in sort of mainstream or like if you if you said to me oh there's a film at Cannes where do you think it's from <laughs> I would not say Finland not Finland was Troll Hunter Finland or was it another I have no idea Nordic because that was another big one that did the festival circuit that was like I just remember one of the years that I worked the Tribeca Film Festival mm. was Norwegian. Yeah. Uh, that was a big, big hit. What's it, What's interesting, too, is that it's like a horror film that received good reviews at Cannes. Like, of, yeah. all, of all the film festivals to, like, value a, ho a horror film, you wouldn't think that's the one to do it. I mean, Sundance... Yeah, sure. In indie Finnish horror film at Sundance, I'd be like, yeah, they'd yeah, be into that. Big hit. At Cannes, I'd be like, really? Yeah. Are you sure? That's a bit of a different tone, but yeah, okay. Must be really good then. That is the story of the Lake Bowden murders. <sighs> Thoughts? Questions? 
Concerns. <laughs> um, oh, God. I'm torn between one Mr. Assman and also, like, that's probably, it's definitely not how you pronounce his name, but, like, just for comedic sake, that's how we have to say it. I don't see how else you can pronounce it. <laughs> I don't know. Unless it's like Ashman, yeah. but it's literally spelled Assman. Literally is. Um, I'm torn between him and like uh, Neil Nils Gustafsson. See, I don't think it's him. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like, it's I I can see how it really looks like him in the sense of like the things that were taken or disturbed or moved. Are things you could easily like frame up about a scene. But again, like it seems like a weird thing to do and to then just go about your life not seemingly not have any other like instances of extreme violence or run ins with the law or whatever. Like that is weird to me. Yeah. I like you say it's it the you know the the shoes and the keys and things that is very much like and you know his injuries being to a much lesser degree yeah of severity than the the three victims I can it it does seem like the things you do to stage it yeah which is what I'm kind of like no but also like imagine if. Like, in an attack situation, he's the first one hit. He's hit in the face, Mm. and he just goes down cold. Like, in a frenzied situation like that, you'd be like, okay, he's dead. And, I mean, up until recently, the advice used to be, if you're in, like, a a hostage situation or, like, an active shoot, if they thought, if someone thought, like, an attacker thought you were injured and or dying play dead yeah yeah it just seems but also like it seems too textbook like staging to me yeah but also like what motive would a spy have to kill a bunch of teenagers and not steal their shit Mm. unless they saw something they weren't supposed to see yeah that's a possibility but also, you know, police, secret service, all of these jobs, they do draw violent people. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, we, it's kind of like, because I just finished editing um, our bonus episode, uh, Harold Shipman. Mm. And we talked about that. It, like, sometimes people with superiority complexes and and tendencies towards abuse and you know machinations towards power are drawn to the medical profession so they can use the power that they find there so yeah like i I, I see that and also i don't really think it's really thought about enough so james bond 007 license to kill Mm -hmm. i don't think people actually really think about what that means yeah spies have a license or certain like grade of like spies or those in the secret services or whatever they have a license to kill and they get away with it yeah well and also like if you're so used to solving your problems by just killing your way through and covering it up so you don't get discovered Mm. that's also i mean that also kind of makes sense yeah so uh, i see i see it you've convinced me (laughs) but we we as we said before we do love a spy story yeah that's i i I struggle with that because it's like i want it to be the spies I, it, once again, we have solved nothing. You mean we I, haven't solved 
Finland's most infamous unsolved murder? By, you know, never going to Finland and just reading shit on the internet. I'm shocked, I tell you. I don't think even if they... I don't think there'll ever be another investigation into it. I think it'd be left to citizen sleuths if it is ever solved. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's one of those. So, um, get get cracking, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, that is it. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow. With something. <laughs> You're going to tell a story tomorrow, I think. I am? Oh, lordy. I <laughs> am. You're right, I am. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, well, I'm very excited for yours. I'm excited to write it. <laughs> Haven't yet. We'll see how that goes. So, um, yeah, let us know what you think. Who do you think it was? Um, do you like the spy angle as much as we do? If you don't, what are you doing here? <laughs> Get out. No, don't. Please don't leave. We love no. you. Stay. And if you do like spies. Stay tuned. St stick around. Yeah. Before the end of the year, there will be more spies. Coming down the pipe, as they say. <laughs> Possibly literally. Oh. Um, yeah, no, no. Not really. Damn. I just thought that was very intriguing. <laughs> Spy pipe. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you then. Bye. Bye.